0: You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. What can we control? What can we control right now when it seems like so much is out of control? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And we've got a very, very special guest. She's a fitness icon, health icon. And we have a similar background story, a similar intersection that is just bananas, which we'll talk about later. And I'm just so grateful to have incredible people who are sharing their voice right now, sharing their experience and their perspective, and really helping to bring in some positive programming, some positive resources of information when there's just so much negativity and so much to be worried about when in reality there's so much good that's happening simultaneously and so much opportunity. And this is a great time in human history because we have the chance to actually change some of the things that have been going on a just straight decline for many years, specifically when it comes to our nation's health and wellness. And this is a time when we need to redirect our attention, our focus, and our resources to getting our communities healthier. And as we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna dive into some nostalgia, all right? Some nostalgia. I know that I grew up very similar to so many other folks here in the United States with the foods that I was just, it was just an everyday thing for me. I grew up in the fast food revolution, all right? It went from being, fast food was like, a thing, you know, there's a few fast food places to it being a deeply ingrained part of our culture. All right, we wasn't just going to McDonald's to get, get your burger and fries. You're not just getting a burger and fries. They got breakfast now. All right, they got hot cakes, the hot cakes and sauce. What's the difference between a pancake and a hot cake? McDonald's. That's the difference, only difference. They're just serving breakfast now, so you start your day with fast food, all right? Let me get that McMuffin. It's not just a regular muffin, it's a McMuffin, right? And just the the, the permeation into our culture, so many different types of processed foods that you pick up through a drive through window, right? We're no longer even just going and sitting down in a restaurant or cooking food at home. So many of us were really inundated with this concept of going and picking our food up through a hole in the side of a building, all right? And it's just a normal thing. And not to say that again, these things don't have some uh, modicum of value in them, you know. but at the same time, what has it done to our culture that shifted so much to being disconnected, not just from where the food is grown, let alone where the food is grown and move, moving away from products that actually come from nature and not synthetic and heavily processed foods but even the disconnection from where we're getting our food and the association with the person cooking our food, and also the disassociation of the process of where the food is actually, how we're we're receiving the food, right? How we're receiving the food. Every part of the process has been denatured. And right now we could potentially have a revolution in our association with food from farm to table, right? But again, it takes a shift in our awareness and a shift in our culture. And I truly believe it's up to us right now to help make it happen. So really pumped about this episode and this conversation. And I think you guys are gonna really love when we dive in and talk about where we come from and some of the nostalgia, but most importantly, some of the most powerful messages for shifting our mindset around food right now and around our health. So can't wait to dive into that. And I wanna share with you guys what I do, I haven't really talked about this specifically, but even today, right before I record The Model Health Show, I'm gonna share with you guys what my nutrition is to really fuel my brain, to give me that little extra nutrition to fuel my brain for performance, for memory, and just cognitive ability. And what I had today, literally, again, right before this recording, was one of my favorite nootropics that contains royal jelly, and bacopa called b elixir literally had it right before every show i have my little b elixir and a study published in advanced biomedical research found that royal jelly has the potential to improve spatial learning attention and memory all right this is the real deal we got peer reviewed clinical evidence and a study that came out in 2011 also found that royal jelly can stimulate neurogenesis the creation of new brain cells. Specifically, this is happening in our hippocampus. It's the part of the brain largely responsible for our memory. I don't just do stuff just because, just because it sounds nice. Like, oh, the queen bee, the queen bee, she has the world jelly. No, like we've got real clinical evidence demonstrating what this can do for our brains. And also this formula has Bacopa, which is one of my all-time favorite things, a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled Human study, this is the gold standard of studies, but this was published in 2016, found that after just six weeks of use, Bacopa significantly improved speed of visual information processing, learning rate, memory consolidation, and even decreased anxiety for study participants. This is combined together in the Belixer, all right? So before the show, that's what I have, Belixer. And the reason that I get Elixir and my bee products from Beekeepers Naturals is because they go the extra mile to ensure that they're literally using third-party testing to make sure there's no nefarious pesticides, heavy metals, anything nefarious coming through the bee products, which today conventional honeys and other bee products are largely, there's contaminants there. And it's unfortunate. It's just because there's so much contamination in our environment. So they go the extra mile to make sure that you're not taking in any toxicity with your incredible bee products. So definitely check them out. It's beekeepersnaturals.com. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com, forward slash model, and use the code model, and you're also going to get 15%, an additional 15% off all of their incredible bee products. All right, so that's right before the show, but every morning on the date of recording, I have my favorite Lion's Mane infused coffee from Four Sigmatic. It's another thing geared towards mental performance. Lion's Mane has a tremendous amount of data that continues to come out, showing that it's neuroprotective. So literally protecting your brain against intrusions, even against traumatic brain injuries, so cool. But also it's been found to help to reduce stress and to improve focus. So the reason that I use the Four Sigmatic Lion's Main is that it's dual extracted. So they do a hot water extract and an alcohol extract to make sure you're getting all of the nutrients for your cognitive performance out of the medicinal mushroom. And they've got it infused with organic coffee. And they also have the elixir that is a standalone feature, the Lion's Main elixir as well. So definitely check those out too. Again, this is my routine on recording dates. This is what I'm doing. So I thought I'd share that with you guys today. And you can also get an incredible discount over at foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model for an incredible hookup there too. So check out their Lion's Mane Infused Coffee and or their Lion's Mane Elixir. I use both. I love both of them. Again, this is all about fueling our bodies and fueling our brains to be at our very best. And there's so many incredible things that we have access to that have been used for centuries. We don't have to turn to these synthetic, artificial, processed, toxic things that we've accepted as norm. You know, when we go to you know the local convenience store and we see these so-called energy drinks and all the toxic compounds that come along with that stuff, we can do so much better. I just wanna make sure we make this available and aware for the public at large to upgrade the ingredients of things to get better results with our bodies and with our mental function, but without all the side effects. So again, just going to continue to share these things. And we've got a crazy, the the term crazy is what's going to be a thread throughout this episode. And before we get to our special guests, let's check out the Apple Podcast Review of the Week.
1: Another five-star review titled Incredible Podcast by C. Santana809. Sean is fun, personable, and his science is on point. I'm a biology teacher and a knowledge fanatic. I first became hooked after listening to Sean on Mind Valley when he spoke about water. So glad I found this. It is the best podcast I've come across ever.
0: Ah, awesome. That's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that review over on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it so much. And Knowledge Fanatic, I love it. It's such a great segue into today's episode. And our guest today is Beach Body super trainer and nutrition expert, Autumn Calabrese. She's creator of the Breakthrough Fitness Programs, Nine Week Control Freak, 21 Day Fix, 80 Day Obsession, and Ultimate Portion Fix. She's helped millions of people gain control of their nutrition. She's also the author of the best-selling Fixate Cookbooks, and her latest book, Lose Weight Like Crazy, Even If You Have a Crazy Life, is available right now. And she's also the host of the Fixate Healthy Cooking Show with her brother, Bobby Calabrese, on Beach Body On Demand. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation and hang out with my friend. Just such a wealth of information and just she's had an impact on millions of lives. And I wanna continue to bring multiple perspectives because it's not going to be a one size fits all approach for everybody to achieve what's possible for them. So I want to bring on different voices, different perspectives. And Autumn's perspective is one that I think for a lot of folks can be very helpful right now, because even with our new book, even if you have a crazy life, just really speaks volumes to uh, what a lot of folks are dealing with. So really excited about this episode. Let's jump into this conversation with the incredible Autumn Calabrese. That's what I see too out there is like, that's it out there. <laughs> the world is different outside my door. It is. But, you know, people used to, you know, when you sneeze, like it was so, people would be polite, just like, oh, God bless you. you." Now, if you sneeze, people are like, fuck you. (laughs) How
1: how quick do you tell people that it's not not COVID if you sneeze? I sneeze and I'm like, it's just my allergies. The wind blew (laughs) wrong. Like, I'm so quick to defend the fact that I sneezed. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, my nose tickled. (laughs) <laughs> like I can't believe it's I'm the like those
0: tickle of crime. It oh is. my god, what is going on? Just basic human decency is kind of gone on the back burner. Seriously,
1: it's oh gone. my
0: gosh. Well, speaking of gone on the back burner, you and I, we had no idea when we met for the first time, like face to face. It was maybe what, maybe two, three years ago at Beachbody. Yeah, like two, and years we found ago. out. Of all the places in the United States, all the cities, all the high schools, we went to the same high school
1: yes. at the same time <laughs> yes.
0: and had no idea.
1: No idea. And here How we are, years that. later, in another state.
0: Yeah. And, and in like, oh. in a dystopian world. <laughs> yes. Um but now getting to read your book, because I, I just assumed even from that conversation you were just from St. Louis, but it was, you know. There was a much bigger story before that. Yeah. You know, growing up in Cleveland, right?
1: Cleveland, yes. Shout Born out to and Cleveland.
0: <laughs> and uh so now I know you and Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yes. Both being from Cleveland. <laughs>
1: that's about it. And <laughs> who well, so, else? That's about all we got.
0: Your your story was just so incredible, you know, growing up literally first of all, your dad. Your dad. Bobby Kale. Bobby Cow, everybody knew Bobby Cow because he had the local pizza pizza place. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about that, growing up in that environment?
1: Yeah, I grew up, like I always describe it, like if people have seen the movie, A Bronx Tale, that's how I grew up. I grew up oh. in like a, a mafia movie, for real. Like the mafia was in our neighborhood, like it was a thing, you had to be careful. But like we grew up in a little Italian neighborhood, everybody knew my dad. We did own, he owned the pizza place. We lived upstairs from it. So he owned the building and the apartment upstairs was ours. So that's where we were. So dad would be downstairs working and we'd be upstairs, you know, school or whatever. And our whole family lived in the neighborhood. Like my grandparents were a few blocks away. My aunt was a few blocks. We walked everywhere. We rode our bikes everywhere. Everybody knew him. You weren't gonna, you don't know, mess with Bobby Cal or Bobby Cal's kids. And like yeah, they're like, the neighborhood had an eye on us because everybody knew him. Everybody yeah. loved my dad. He was like the good guy in the mafia movie. He wasn't in the mafia. He was like, Just to be clear. Just to be clear, he was like oh. <laughs> Robert De Niro was in a Bronx Tale. He was you, the good guy.
0: You. So Noah's swimming with the fishes. He wasn't know. Chaz
1: Bono. <laughs> okay,
0: all right. Just to be clear. Thanks for clearing that yeah. up. And of course, growing up in that environment and having access to all the deliciousness, I'm sure that really. And this is you know one of the things with Kristen. Uh, said that we had, in, you know, very similar. You know, just having that access to that food, like yeah. it's just a part of our lives. So, talk a little bit about that—the culture around food, and obviously, you know, the Italian yeah. culture. Can you talk that, a little about yeah, that? Yeah,
1: that's just it. Like, like my grandparents are off the boat. Like my grandparents were from Italy. Food is everything like in the Italian culture. It's like everything revolves around it. Sunday dinner at my grandma's house was like 15 to 20 of us every Sunday. My grandma was in the kitchen cooking and it was pasta and meatballs and the meatballs were fried in lard. In fact, if you ask my dad to this day, it is a crime that I don't cook my meatballs in lard. Like he gets mad at me for it. Well, you don't know anything about tradition. And I was like, I know your tradition's gonna kill you. Like, <laughs> Dad, can we just put the olive oil? Is the olive oil okay? Um, but yeah, like everything revolved around food. And the one thing I'll say that was interesting though is everything was made from scratch still. Mm, like, yeah, my grandma yeah. more often than not made the pasta. Like, that's one of my brother's favorite things is handmade pasta. Um, that's what he does because he's a chef. You know, the sauce was made from scratch. We always had salad. At the end of the meal Uh, a lot of times the bread was fresh from whatever the local bakery was even my dad's pizza like he made the dough like by hand like uh, we learned how to make pizza dough kneading it with our hands and letting it rise so while we had access to a lot of all of those foods pastas and pizzas and subs i think like i was if if you see pictures of me when i was a young kid i was a really thin kid like and I ate everything. I ate the pizza. I ate the pasta. I ate the subs. I ate the New York style cheesecake, but I was also very active. But I do remember as a teenager, when we left the Italian neighborhood, we moved to the suburbs. I no longer was super active and we weren't actually living upstairs from my dad's restaurant anymore. We were now in the house and my dad left to go to the restaurant. Mm. We had different food in the house. My dad was remarried at the time and, and his wife was doing the grocery shopping. And all of a sudden, there was a lot more sort of easy convenient processed foods in the house not so much that scratch foods yeah and that's when I gained weight for the first time I also went through puberty but um right that was there was a change there in yeah. what I was eating
0: That was a part of the book when I was like because for you it was 12 years old was the first mm-hmm. time you kind of had this realization that uh, like a, an awareness of your body not being the way that you wanted it to be and you set out to lose weight and of yeah. course, This is a challenge in our culture today more than ever because of our exposure, social media, folks are always, we have a tendency towards comparison, the human mind. So it's just like on 1,000% now. But you being 12 years old and having this like epiphany that you know my body weight, like I've gained weight and I wanna do something about it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because for some folks, just like a 12 year old little girl shouldn't feel like that you know but for you it's just like this is reality not just for you but for so many people and then can you talk about what you did in your attempt to lose weight when (laughs) when you had this epiphany
1: so yeah i was 12 i obviously was hitting puberty and i had been so used to being the kid that one was super small like tiny i was skinny and i could eat anything i wanted and i never gained weight so the fact that all of a sudden I was gaining weight. My stomach was getting bigger. You know, I was carrying most of it in my stomach. My face was getting a lot rounder. Um, I noticed it. I noticed that the clothes were getting bigger that I had to buy. And I also was a competitive dancer. Like I was just starting to compete. So I could tell in dance class that I was slowing down a little bit. I couldn't quite keep up like I used to. And then, you know, I tell the story in the book about how my dad made us do this crazy long walk for Thanksgiving every year, twelve like 12 miles. And even though it was crazy in Cleveland, 12 miles in the snow, at seven years old, I didn't struggle with the walk. I mean, I hated it because it was freezing, but I could do it. And then when I was 12 and we were living in the suburbs, he wanted to do that walk, but it was a different version. It was a much shorter version, way easier. And we did the walk and I cried the whole time because I felt like my, I just, my body felt heavy. I was struggling going up even the smallest hill, all of it just didn't feel good. So I knew I wanted to try to lose weight. I didn't want to feel like that. Um, But I didn't know how. I was 12. Like, how do you know how to lose weight? You don't. And I didn't have anybody teaching me. Um, the first thing I did was ask my dad if I could work in the restaurant to earn some money because I kept seeing commercials. Am I allowed to say product name or you prefer I not?
0: You can say it, of course. Okay.
1: So I would see the Slim Fast commercials, yeah, right? right? And I was like, you, the, you know, the beautiful girls and they're skinny and you want to look like the beautiful girls on TV. So I like saved my $5 and I walked to the convenience store down the street when nobody was home and bought it. And I hid it in my drawer under my clothes. So like nobody knew that it was there. And I made that first like Slim Fast shake and it was so gross like i remember i took a sip and i was like gagged and i was like so determined i tried another sip and i like couldn't do it so i sat there on my bed like crying with this canister that i just saved money to buy and I was like okay well that's not going to be it cuz i can't drink one of these let alone 3 of them a day so yeah that was my first attempt at losing weight
0: I wanted you 12. to say the product name because that was the first thing I did too. you know, when I was trying to like get myself healthy when I had this like realization when i this was when I was twenty two because okay. I was always like the skinny kid in my family. yeah, and you know, I'd gained all this weight because you know this uh, condition, this spinal condition that I was dealing with. And when I decided to get healthy, that's what I knew because of the commercials, right? Just shake for breakfast, shake for lunch. And and a healthy dinner. Sensible dinner. dinner. Sensible dinner. Sensible Sensible dinner. dinner, That's right. Um, And man, I had the strawberry.
1: Yes. (laughs) So bad. One day
0: because I had taken it with me to school and it it got a little warm. Can you, oh, it's so bad. Oh, that makes my stomach hurt. Think Pepto-Bismol with a little pinch of honey, from bees that have been exclusively fed crack cocaine. It's just like it was <laughs> oh my so God, bad.
1: That's such a, a description. It, it, it was
0: so it just everything about it was wrong, you yeah. know. And I quickly transitioned away from that, fortunately, you know, because just even the awareness of like there's gotta be something better and yeah. wanting to move towards health, um, but also it's our exposure. And that's what you were exposed to. That's what I knew. And your exposures changed once you moved to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And this was when you went to live with your mom. Yeah. Right? So let's talk about that transition. What was What was different about living there?
1: Well, so, you know, my mom, different culture. My mom's not Italian. And my mom definitely had much more of the mentality of uh, exercise and eating right. Not that my dad doesn't have the mentality of eating right. It's just, you know, just different cultures. It was like, this is what we eat. This is what I made. You know, he prepared the foods that he was used to eating. Whereas my mom got up and I saw her exercise every day. And there was always a salad at every dinner. But like, not like iceberg salad. It was like spinach and bell peppers and and things like that. And, and she would make the salad dressing. And so living with my mom, I just started eating a little bit different because that's what was in the fridge. That was what was in the house. It was like, well, mom had skim milk, not 2% milk. So, okay, I had to get used to drinking skim milk because that's what was in the house. Um, the snacks were healthier because it was my little brother and sister and she was packing their lunches for school. It just—it was just little things that mm. changed. She had a treadmill in her bedroom, so I would get on her treadmill and walk because that reminder of the fact that I couldn't do that walk with my dad when I was 12 just ate away at me. And I was like, I'm going to be able to walk those, I, I think it was five miles that we were trying to do at that point. And I was like, I'm going to be able to do that. Like, this is ridiculous that I can't. And I actually quickly dropped weight living with my mom, partially because I was coming out the other end of puberty and hormones were probably settling down a little bit. But I was dancing just as much, if not maybe a little bit more, taking dance classes. I was working out with my mom, just running around with my little brother and sister, and I was eating healthier. I was just eating a lot more vegetables and stuff. And a good... I would say a good 12 to 15 pounds fell off me pretty quick. And when I saw my dad six months later, it's funny, he didn't tell me this at the time, but when I went home, he was worried that I was developing an eating disorder. So apparently anytime I would eat, if I would go to the bathroom within like an hour of eating, I didn't know it, but he would go listen outside the bathroom because he was worried that I was throwing up or something. I wasn't. It was just, I just was eating different. I was moving more. And so, and he, I remember him telling me about it like a year or two later and he's like, you came home and you know, you were skinny and I thought like you weren't eating or you were throwing up. I I was like, dad. And he goes, but I couldn't figure it out because I would watch you eat and you would eat so much food. And he goes, so I thought for sure you must've been throwing up. And he's like, but I would listen. And I was like, are you crazy? I hate throwing up. That is the last thing. Not for me, but he just wasn't used to seeing me that way because he just wasn't he didn't realize that the food was such a different quality. Yeah.
0: Oh my goodness, that's a crazy story. But that's the thing too. You like you got crazy throughout the book, so many places, <laughs> and even the acronym like that's a part of your amazing brand as well, yeah. which we'll get to in a minute. But being at Lafayette, shout out to Lafayette, shout out high school Lancers, yes, gang gang. Um, but you know you were dancing, but from there also. You it wasn't just a straight line because you figured out a lot of things along the way and have been able to impact the lives of hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And this was a lot of these things were figured out along your own kind of bumpy road and challenges. Yeah. And so, like going through injuries, going through uh different trials and tribulations. So getting from like this paradigm of of trying to lose weight, trying to be fit, trying to fit this, um, this image of what you wanted yourself to be, and then having things kind of stand in the way, it's been able, it's something you've been able to do to help other people by understanding the process. So if you could, can you share like, when did you have a breakthrough in your thinking about health and wellness? Because even through these processes, as we were younger, we were still just kind of going by what the environment was telling us. And I think a big part of this actually comes to a change in our psychology.
1: Yeah, I think it was actually, um, the biggest breakthrough was when I was sort of pregnant with my son and then right after. I very quickly became aware of, hey, I'm growing a human being. Like what mm. I eat, he's eating. So I was, I was aware of it during my pregnancy a little bit, but I still during pregnancy wasn't even 100% like on it. I remember having a good month-long period where I craved dairy and it was like yogurt, cheese, ice cream, and milk. It's like all I wanted to eat, and I sure did eat it. Um, but after I had him, because I was a trainer, I like had been training now. I had a specialty in pre and postnatal fitness. So I remember reading in like the tabloid magazines like about all these celebrities that would lose their baby weight in like four months or less. The snapback. The snapback. And I was like, okay, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And I should do it because I'm the one out there teaching people. So I got to lead by example, like probably a little more pressure on myself than I needed, but that's where I was at mentally. Yeah. So for me, it was really about like, okay, what are you eating? And paying attention to it. And I, that's when I really started reading more and learning. And it was like, I would look at, like I looked at the breakfast cereal that I ate every morning. I'm just going to call out brand names. You can believe them out if you don't. I was eating Raisin Bran every morning. Oh my gosh, it has so much sugar. Two scoops of raisin. Two scoops of sugar is what it is, right? <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, it's, Whole grain and it's got raisins mm-hmm. and it's good for you. Nope, it's loaded with sugar. So I cut out my breakfast cereal that I loved so much because I ate cereal every day and I switched to like eggs and asparagus and a piece of toast. Um, something like that was now the breakfast. Um, I looked at those yogurts that I was eating that were named after all the desserts, right? Key lime pie and strawberry shortcake. (laughs) And I was like, that should be an indication that you're probably not supposed to eat that. And those things I cut out and switched it to like real fruit. So I think after I had Dom was when the real shift started Mm. to happen. When I took a deeper dive into learning nutrition through my certifications and recognizing like, Oh my gosh, like what is being marketed to us, right? Like, oh, eat a granola bar. It's a great healthy snack. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, this is so
0: good. It's Autumn, not. this is so good. <laughs> these are the, these are the exact, it's just like levels to all of this stuff. Yeah. You know? And it's so interesting how growing a human can make you tune in to what's real. You yeah. Know? It's just it's a very similar thing that happened to us as well. And we were just questioning, like, are we, what are we, what we're doing right now, is this the best thing for him? Because we're doing something that is based on a, a a diet trend. Yeah. You know, like what do you really need? And just starting to question and ask little different questions. And the two scoops of raisin, the raisin brand thing. So first of all, <laughs> the marketing though. It's like the sun had like two big scoops. Yes! You know, like the sun doesn't have scoops. <laughs> yeah. You know. But for us, I know for me it was. Uh, my, oh, for my wife, she had the honey bunches of oats. Love those too. Right? Because Sometimes healthy. I mix them. It's
1: got the oats. You mix? I would mix the honey bunches oh, of oats and the raisin bran.
0: goodness. Like I feel a little bit like verklempt. Like I feel a little <laughs> like uncomfortable. I wow. I loved my cereal. I loved
1: it. I had all the cereals. All the health cereals. Wow. I had them. I loved them.
0: And then so for me, I was doing like my little, I guess, treat I would have because it was whole grain heart healthy was the... Uh honey nut Cheerios. Yep. Right. So I was knocking that down every night, is my thing. And then when I was like, okay, I, I need to stop eating the, you know, popular brands. I need to get the organic. So I was like getting organic um oatmeal squares. <laughs> it was almost the same amount of sugar. Yes. You know, but the marketing, it's like, what's well, high? It's fiber. Yes. You know, but these are we're starting our day eating processed foods. You know, it's just a shift in our mentality. It's not that these things are inherently You know, just like with anything in health, like everything kind of has its place, but what is the best thing for humans? Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's so remarkable to hear that story.
1: I think the biggest thing I remember reading, and this has stuck with me for like, I don't remember when I read it, it's been years, but it was like, if it has to tell you that it's good for you, It's probably not, right? Mm. So if they have to say, oh, fortified with fiber, or like, oh, so much vitamin, oh, it's heart healthy. I'm like, well, an apple doesn't say it's heart healthy. You know, (laughs) spinach doesn't have a label telling (laughs) you like, oh, it's good for for fiber, broccoli, Mm. you know, like, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. The fact that there's all of this messaging all over a box probably means it's not the right thing.
0: That's oh, I freaking love you. That's like <laughs> this is these are things like I really haven't talked about out in open but I think about. And yeah. I also did write a little bit about this that no, you know, people haven't seen yet, but you know, the marketing behind these things is what really drives it. You know, mm-hmm. like we would it wouldn't be a thing, you know, like stuff in nature doesn't have the marketing yeah. campaign behind it. Like what if Beyonce was like the 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 uh, spokesperson for spinach? Right. You know what I mean, and I like I could see her like doing the dance, doing the right? dance, with and then a bag she's of spinach like or doing the put a ring on it, <laughs> yeah. but it's like spinach leaves between her fingers. Yeah. You know what I mean, like whatever. Or you know Arnold Schwarzenegger was like the the the, the sponsor for I don't know freaking avocados, he right? Was, like guacamole, you know whatever. Or like
1: the athletes that are like promoting the drinks or the or the sodas, right? And you're like, but like, what if they just promoted something that grew out of the ground. Like, yeah. would these, would our kids go get that? I, Absolutely. Um, what is the one, oh, Dominic, my son keeps asking me for this one energy drink. What is it? Oh, I forget what it's called. There's some energy drink that some gamer keeps mm, promoting. Oh my god! And he's like, mom, can I have it? And I'm like, Are you insane? And he's like, why? And I'm like, it's poison. It is literally, I I just, I hype it up. I'm like, it'll kill you. Like, (laughs) I I don't even hold back. Uh, I exaggerated a little bit, but it's like, you know, when I start to look at what they're promoting and like the amount of caffeine and things that are in these things that I'm like, no, Dom, like I gave him a sip of coffee, like, I don't know, like three or four months ago, like little bit of, he wanted to try my coffee. He had a little bit, a couple ounces. And his heart started racing and it freaked him out out and I was like Dominic honey mommy drinks like basically black coffee and you had a couple sips do you know what you would feel like if you drank that energy drink you don't need it but because his youtuber friend guy is doing it gamer he he's like well he's 13 and he drinks it and I'm like well shame on his parents
0: Right. Listen, those energy drinks the gamers are having, it makes them feel like they're in the game getting shot at. Right. That's what it is. You know, it just kind of heightens that feeling of fear and, you know, and focus. Yes. That's so crazy. There's so many now. It's just, you know, I remember... When the when like kind of first became a thing, like we were in high school, actually, yeah, Surge energy drink came to the school and they were like giving out free cans. Yeah, like what kind of marketing is that, you know? And I remember, like, I just got into it. I got into Surge. Yeah, and then from there, of course, then the Red Bull came along. All the different energy drinks were from St. Louis, Nelly Mm and Pimp Juice,
1: Pimp Juice. Oh my gosh, (laughs) you know,
0: and just it's it's marketing of these. Artificial process things that like you, our DNA has never associated with. It has no evolution. idea what it is. And so this is one of the principles that you really bring forward for the folks that you work with. It's not just, and especially for you, it's not like a big calorie focus and just being obsessed with numbers. It's yeah. being obsessed. And this is something you, you, t- you like it's called control freak. Yeah. Being obsessed with higher quality.
1: Yeah, I just, so many people, right? They don't like those words. They don't like the word obsessed or control freak. And and I love it because I like putting the positive spin on it. Like, here's an interesting question that, okay, so I, I don't know if you run into this, but people will like literally like attack me for eating healthy or telling people to eat healthy, right? I literally had somebody tell me the other day that I was teaching disordered eating because I said, instead of eating like the whole pumpkin pie, You know, I I was like, oh, shrink it down, have a slice, and that's it. And somebody was like, oh, honey, that's disordered eating, da-da-da. And I was like, what? But they don't stop to look at overeating or eating of the junk food as disordered eating, right? Like, we've come to accept that, that it's not disordered eating to eat a whole bag of chips. Like, a full-size bag, I mean, like an individual size. And I'm like, why... Why do we look at people that eat healthy and go like, oh my gosh, you're a control freak. You don't live, you don't enjoy life. But we look at the person on the other side that's eating the food that's making them sick. And and we're like, that's the norm. And you should just do that and live life and enjoy. And I'm like, I don't know what gives anybody the impression that I am not enjoying life or my food because I enjoy all of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really powerful insight because right now, I mean, we're, we're living in a time and culture where every, we have to worry about the perspective of every single person. Mm-hmm. And so that creates this paradigm where we're not really being focused on anything sustainable that right. like has a broad spectrum of of benefit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of course we don't want to get in a place where we're shaming anybody. Like right. it's not about that. You can do whatever you want. And that's what you repeatedly say, like have it, do it, you know, however. You have to understand that everything has a consequence. Yeah, and we can't swing all the way to the other side of the pendulum and say, you know, it's okay. It's it's disordered. It's it's not disordered eating to do you know things like what I used to do, which you know, have three bowls of cereal every night and a banana, and then wonder why I'm not getting the results that I want. Yeah, and then to the other side and say that me making it a priority to invest in high quality ingredients to put in my body to say that that's disordered eating. Like, where's the where's the rationality here? Right. You know? Because I think we're so quick to put labels on things today and we're eating everything that has a label on it. And then <laughs> we're <laughs> wondering why we're in this place of just kind of this, again, dystopian reality where for me, and this is again, something that I see in a parallel with you is just like, let's just get back to what's real. Let's get back to what's natural yeah. about us. And another part of that is is movement and fitness. And I love your approach because even right now during this time, you give yourself permission. I've been you know, keeping my eye on you <laughs> to like do the workout that you feel your body wants right now, you mm-hmm. know, like, because we can, right now we're at a time where there's a lot of uncertainty. The certainty is we can do the control freak part of like, I know that I'm gonna take care of my body
1: today. Yeah,
0: But I'm gonna have some flexibility in that and saying, you know what? If I feel I need my spirits lifted, I might do Dance, which you made—is it country heat? Yep. Right. It's so you might <laughs> pop, do some country heat, but if you feel like you know what today, I just feel like I feel aggressive. I feel strong. Let me go and lift some weights. Yeah, you give yourself permission to
1: do it. Absolutely. Like I always have a plan, but I'm not so rigid. I'm not such a control freak in the plan that if my body's like hey, I need rest today, that I won't give myself the rest or say like, I'm just gonna go for a longer walk. One of my favorite things to do, I think probably because the way I grew up with my dad is to go walk. I will put my headphones on. I will listen to the podcast. I'm always on yours, like listening to the podcast. And I will walk my neighborhood for an hour I love it. Like that doesn't even feel like I'm exercising. That's just like for my spirit. That's just for me. Like I get the sunshine and the fresh air and I get a little personal development. Listening to something I feel like really accomplished at the end of that. But yeah, there are times too where I'm like, oh yes, okay. It's a lift day, like it's time to go. But I have the plan. Control Freak, like right now I'm doing Control Freak. relaunch launch it, um, well, to the general population in a week. Um, but uh, I love those workouts but even just the other day like i woke up and i was supposed to do one and i was like i can't even sit down i'm so sore i was like so that's not going to happen today mm. <laughs> i'm going to foam roll i'm going to stretch i'm going to flip flop my rest flip flop my rest days and all will be fine in the world
0: that's it i love that i love that structure having flexibility within the structure yeah um so let's dive in more let's talk about control freak yes uh so to have, and I love this because you're taking a position, you know. And this is why, for my for my show, I want to make sure that we provide a myriad of options. Mm-hmm. You've helped so many people lose over a hundred pounds. You've helped so many people who have been struggling, trying so many different programs, to finally be able to get the results that they have been working for. And sometimes, well, oftentimes, it's these little changes, little small. When you hear their stories, are these little small shifts it's not anything grandiose. Yeah. And I think you're the kind of counterculture to these grandiose like diet frameworks yeah. that again for some people it is the thing that is the game changer for them. Mm-hmm. But you have a different perspective on that. So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. Look, I think for a lot of people for most people extremes are not going to be what works, right? So there's extremes out there that and other people are providing that information. That's just not me. That's cuz that doesn't feel good to me. Like Never eat a carb again. Hello, I'm Italian. I want pizza. Like, I'm going to eat pizza. And no, I'm not eating it on cauliflower crust every time. Like, I'm going to eat the real thing. That's just that. I'm going to drink my wine and not feel bad about it. So for me, it was more about like, you guys, there was a time. There was a time where people just ate. And they didn't have to worry about, oh my God, am I going to get fat? Oh my God, am I going to get this? Right? Like... It's, there was a time there people was, just ate? That they just ate and they no. didn't worry about it and they didn't have all these diets and they also weren't overweight. So can we get back to that, right? It's ever since we have really industrialized all the food when you, like when you look at when was fast food introduced and the, and the, you know, I think you talked about it in your book, even like the TV dinners, right? Like little hedge, a little brownie in there and the mac and cheese one. And Salisbury oh yeah. steak was my favorite. Um, all this
0: salt, the, the mushy steak. The mushy steak Ooh, was yes. so good. Oh my but goodness. But like,
1: it's been since all of that, that all of a sudden we need all these quote unquote diets. So it's like, well, what if we just go back to the basics? That's what I try to teach is like, let's just go back to the fruits and the vegetables and the lean proteins and the healthier carbs, the stuff that comes from mother nature more often than not. Let's stop loading our shopping carts up with food from the center of the aisles and everything in moderation. I'm not saying don't ever eat ice cream or don't ever eat cookies. It's funny when people are like, oh, well, ultimate portion fix. Like I just want a burger. And I'm like, I had one yesterday. What eat a burger? What's the problem? Like, where do you see in my work that you can't have a burger? You c- eat the burger. In fact, I'm gonna have a burger for lunch today. That sounds delicious. But you know, so it's like that's what I'm trying to teach people is eat the burger. But do you need the burger that has three patties and the special sauce and the and like you know the, the super sized fries? I just showed my fries. son a
0: burger today that had a steak and two burger patties. It was a, literally a steak <laughs> and then like dripping with all these different types of cheeses. So that's for me, it was just thing? like. Oh my gosh, like this is ev- this is revolutionary to put a steak on no, the burger, burgers? not a steak burger, like from Steak and Shake. Which right, right, we grew right. Up yes, with. we grew up but that. They put a straight up fat steak on the burger with two burger patties. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: It exists.
1: And and people eat it. You know, I okay, I waited tables First of all, Steak and Shake was the first place I ever waited tables. What? Yeah. See, look,
0: that's the vibe we had. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh! I man. did. Shout out that strawberry shake. That thing was bomb. Steak and Shake.
1: Steak and Shake was it's good. And those cheese fries. Um, but I also worked at Cheesecake Factory for a long time.
0: Was this in St. Louis?
1: I yes, I opened the one in St. Louis.
0: Oh, which one is that? Was it the Galleria? The Galleria.
1: What? Come on! What? <laughs> I oh opened my gosh! The yeah.
0: Oh, that's crazy.
1: But I remember like I would watch what people would eat there, right? Because let's talk about something that's not portion controlled, their portions. And it would be like – I remember taking people's orders and we had like the 22-ounce class. So, they would be like 22 ounces of soda is what they would start with. And then get, they'd get like the fried egg rolls and they would eat that themselves. And I'm like, okay, that alone. Like that much avocado and fried sitting in your stomach is so heavy. I can't even imagine. Then like chicken and biscuits. And the chicken and biscuits plate was so heavy. Uh, like – I could only carry that plate in one hand because I swear it must have been at least like six or seven pounds. Like wow. that plate. And then they'd order cheesecake. And I was like, where is that even going? Like, and this was years ago before I was ever a trainer or anything. And I just remember watching and being like, something's wrong with what we're doing here. Something's yeah. wrong with the fact that this is how we're eating.
0: Yeah. A part of this too is like like you said earlier, like this is this shift and there's these very hyper palatable foods. Mm-hmm. So because in nature, there's this like natural inclination, your brain is hardwired to resist any over intake of something of a particular flavor, Yeah, right? It just, it resists it. And a good uh, example of that is like, even some foods can physically like make you stop eating them. Like there would be like a palate shift yeah. takes place. Like pineapples, if you start to eat too many, it can actually burn you for some Because it's acidic, yeah. You know, and so- you shared in the book something really cool, which was a study, I think it was University of Buffalo, that the researchers found, of course, like when we talk about your palate changing, right? You going from your your, your dad's mm-hmm. environment to your mom's environment, at first she was like, you know, damn these bell peppers, but your palate things. changed. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, I forced myself to like something, like literally your taste changed. And so these researchers, and you put this in your book, it's so cool, found that the proteins that we produce actually have this association with flavors and they start to change. Yep.
1: What? Like my mind was blown. When that study was shown to me, I was like, oh my gosh, because for years you would hear, um, as a new mom especially, introduce your baby to a food at least six to seven times. Like even if they don't like it on the first try, they might learn to like it. That's what we were taught. They would learn to like it. But nobody ever really understood why we would learn to like it. And you're like, oh, it's not because they're just like, randomly getting used to the flavor. "Ah, Okay, Okay. fine, mom, I'll give in to the broccoli. No, 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 like their proteins and their saliva are changing so that they like it. So that was really interesting to me that for people that really struggle with vegetables, because that's always the biggest one I hear is like, oh, I don't eat vegetables. Is like, you got to try it and you got to try it in more than one way. Like maybe you don't like them raw, but maybe you like them sauteed or maybe you like them baked or, you know, there's just so many grilled or however, different ways to try it before you rule it out. Right.
0: Yeah. So good. Well, this leads us to something that I want to talk to you about. And it's really kind of the highlight of the acronym in your book, CRAZY. Yes. Use it as an acronym. Yes. Just kind of paralleling the crazy upbringing, crazy cool upbringing. Yes. And it starts with a different approach. Again, it's not necessarily looking at food in terms of numbers. Mm Mm-hmm but having a little bit of control, taking some control over the amounts of food that we're eating and starting yeah. to kind of retrain our biology. Yeah. Right. So can you take us through that acronym starting with the C?
1: Yeah, the C is control your portion sizes because we're so all about oversize, supersize, family size for one person. So let's just take those back down to a sensible size. So control your portions. Why
0: are you doing this? Like these are (laughs) things I just don't think of. I literally supersize me every time. Right? When I went
1: to the drive through,
0: supersize it.
1: Supersize it because. Automatic. I mean, I remember watching the documentary, supersize me. Oh, that poor guy. I was like, wow. Anyways.
0: Morgan Spurlock.
1: Yes. That Man. was a that was a hard one to watch. Poor guy got Man, like my, green over the course of thirty days. My guy days.
0: Drew Manning. Do you know Drew Manning?
1: No, you don't know Drew Manning.
0: He's doing it right now. So oh, he's gained. He just gained. I think he's gained about forty or fifty pounds right now, just eating. You know, processed food. Ugh. and oh, so yeah, it's tough to watch. It's definitely tough to watch. He was fat Thor for oh. Halloween, this past Halloween. So oh. to see the transformation is pretty remarkable. Wow. Um, but so,
1: okay, so C, we're controlling our portions (laughs) R is just reducing added sugars because those are so addictive and that's probably one of the hardest ones for people is they don't realize how much added sugar they're taking in. I do this. I showed these slides in my ultimate portion fix videos where I'm like, you know, the amount of sugar in orange juice is the same. That's in a regular Coke. Right. Mm -hmm. And you set a glass of orange juice down in front of your kid and you think you're like giving them something healthy. And it's like, you just gave them a soda. And it's been processed, so you know, are the vitamins even still there? So just reduce it's fortified. It's fortified, you know, they so add you're it okay. Back. Well, they put it back. <laughs> or you could just eat the orange. What? You can get, get the fiber, see? balance that blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so reduce added sugars. A is what we're gonna add in, which is hopefully a little bit more protein. We tend to be out of balance, right? We're like super carb heavy, but not getting some protein in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and or by the way, it, or it swings the other way, or does swing for a lot with that double today. burger and steak. You know, so which no, I mean even too much
0: protein, right? There's a war on carbohydrates, right? Just like a war on fats, and so like we're swinging in both, yeah. But the protein yeah. is something that doesn't get a lot of attention, and it's so important, just even building your hormones. Like we talked about, your flavor, yeah, changing. Like those are built on hormones that built on protein.
1: And I think what I wanna be clear about too is like people automatically assume I'm talking about animal protein. I'm not necessarily, like I have a whole vegan plan. So like you don't have to be getting an animal protein. It could be coming from plant-based proteins, but we just need protein. We do need it and healthy fats. So making sure that it's not an abundance of the unhealthy fats, but that we're getting the good stuff in the the nuts and the seeds and healthy oils, uh, things like that. So we're gonna add in, Z is zero deprivation. I I am not a fan of that. Like, at no point in your day should you be starving. At no point should you be like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just have chocolate? Like, you can have that and not feel guilty about it. Let's pick the right kind of chocolate. Like, let's pick real chocolate, not the super processed ones. It's interesting. I used to love me a Snickers. Like, that oh, was a like Snickers. Bears. I love the Snickers. You know what's Snickers. so
0: crazy? I didn't like nuts in my. Candy, candy bars, like or, like who ever ate? And I know some people are gonna be listening. Like Mounds, do you remember Mounds? Like Almond Joy has I like nuts. Almond mounds Joys. don't. Yes. What? <laughs> who was eating that stuff? For me, like having coconut, shredded coconut, and anything was just like uh oh. But yeah, so I never ate like a Snickers or like peanut M Ms. I, I was so weird. Oh no. Um, but were- what I went ham on was. The Three Musketeers. Mm, I, the, I mean, I like With the nougat. Too. Yeah.
1: What is nougat? What's in a Butterfinger? <laughs> what, everything every, Butterfinger. Every, yeah. <laughs> but a Butterfinger is so good. Well, I, I use, okay. So clearly I used to love a good chocolate candy bar. Yeah. I remember a couple Easter's ago, like dipping in Dom's Easter basket and taking out like one of those mini candy bars yeah. and eating a mini uh, Snickers and thinking to myself like, why doesn't this taste right? Like why doesn't this taste like a snickers but because my palate had changed because i got used to eating like dark chocolate like good quality chocolate i could taste the chemicals mm. and i actually this is the saddest part i went back and got another piece because i was like i must be like something must be wrong with that one because like mm. you have that good fond childhood memory of like what it's supposed to taste like yeah. and i ate another one and i was like huh that's like, I was a little disappointed. I was like, oh, I don't like those anymore. Like they're not wow. gonna bring me the yeah. same happiness that they used to.
0: You see the siren was going off right I at know. that time. I know, did you hear nope. me try to talk the louder? the brain, the brain was, Is, is <laughs> the sirens going off inside. As I had a similar experience to that, like this was years ago, but I got my, my oldest son, he really wanted uh, a certain pizza mm-hmm. and for his birthday, you know, so I got it for like him and his friends or whatever and I had some of it it's just like, like the, the crust, it was just like paste. It just tasted like, and like it's just like this is this can't be. It doesn't yeah. taste all pasty, right? Right. But my I changed. Yeah. You know, my body was just like <laughs> recognizing something's off about this. You know, and you know, so in being that that's the case, even with the you know the candy bars, Butterfinger. Again, this goes back to what you shared earlier with the the marketing and the promotion. Yeah. Do you remember the Butterfinger? Uh, spokesperson, Bart Simpson.
1: Bart Simpson. That's right. It Come was Bart. On. He would bite right into that thing. Yep. Oh my gosh. And how do they make a cartoon make a make a candy bar look so good? That's what they do. There was something about the way he ate <laughs> that candy bar they like you're like, I need to bite into one of those right now. Like, but the Z is zero deprivation. And then the Y for at the end of Crazy stands for knowing what your why is. And that's mm. important. No, why are. If you're going to if somebody's dieting, what why are you dieting? What is your ultimate goal? And lean on that. Like and use that to make your choices. That was something I had to do f- like especially when I was a fitness competitor, I had to constantly like remind myself of what my goal was during that time when everybody else was drinking and I wasn't because I was so dialed in or everybody was having dessert and I wasn't. I had to remind myself that I was working towards the goal of taking that stage. So right now, okay, this is the goal. What Do you really want it, Autumn, or do you kind of want it? Do you want to get up on that stage and not really be able to actually compete with these other girls because you didn't put in the work or not? And now I don't eat like that necessarily anymore, that restrictive, but if I've had a glass of wine or two in the week, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a glass. I'll think twice about it and be like, what's the goal, Autumn? Why are we having it tonight? Are we having it because we really want it? What I try not to let myself do is have something because of an emotion. Mm. Right? So like if I'm like, oh, I've had such a bad day, I'm just going to sit on the couch, have a glass of wine. Da-da. I, that's the time I actually don't let myself do it because that's the wrong reason. If I want a glass of wine because I'm like, oh, that, that glass of cab just sounds good right now. I'm going to have it. But I try not to make my food about my emotions. That's a big one for me.
0: Mm. There's so many insights uh, that you talk about and that you've helped folks with. Regarding the management of our emotions and our thought process around food, just around health. And I think that it's important today more than ever because the landscape of things is so different. Yeah. And so I want to dive into this and even talk more about the fitness side because that's really where you just kind of took off and exploded, you know, have impacted the lives of so many people. And so we're gonna do that right after this important message. So sit tight, we'll be right back. Snuggle up with some fat-burning nutrition this holiday season. You know what time of year it is. It's that time to get cozy. It's that time to snuggle up. It's that time for a nice pumpkin spice, everything. But truly, some of the most potent nutrition can be found right in our spice cabinet. And this particular spice that you need to know about has been used traditionally in cooking, medicine, and rituals for thousands of years. And what I'm talking about is turmeric. Turmeric and one of its most renowned micronutrients, curcumin, have well-noted anti-inflammatory effects. But what isn't commonly known is its surprising anti-obesity effects. A study published in the European Journal of Nutrition covered that, in addition to down-regulating inflammatory cytokines, curcumin in turmeric also upregulates the activity of adiponectin and other satiety-related hormones. Turmeric has been found to actually improve insulin sensitivity, reduce blood fats, and directly act upon fat cells. Another really interesting thing about turmeric is that it has anti-angiogenesis properties. A study published in the Journal of Nutrition found that curcumin in turmeric is able to reduce angiogenesis in adipose tissue, which is fat tissue. And angiogenesis is the process of decreasing the blood supply and nutrient supply to those pesky fat cells and also to cancer cells as well. And turmeric has been found to have an intelligent, selective capacity to target rogue cells and reduce their ability to grow. Really, really fascinating stuff and it's one of my favorite things that's in the gold blend from Organifi. This blend highlights a super critical extract of organic turmeric plus other metabolism-enhancing spices like cinnamon and ginger. It also has reishi, which is clinically proven to support your sleep quality. It's a great vibe, great way to relax, and a great time to enjoy this season. Head over check them out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model for 20% off your gold latte. Check it out. All right, we're back and we're talking with Autumn Calabrese about her new book. I've got right here: Lose Weight Like Crazy. Fantastic stories. You've got Even if you everything. have a crazy life. Even if you have a crazy life, let's be clear. Because isn't that the excuse? The ingredients. Unbelievable. Like you look at it and you're just like, I shouldn't get to have this. This doesn't make sense.
1: Shout out to my brother for that, because he is the chef behind all those recipes. And I say all the time that he is an evil genius.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: Literally. Because I'm Ooh. like, how do you do it? Like sometimes I try to stump him. Like I'll be like, make this healthy. Hmm. It might take him a minute, but he figures it out. Uh, it's quite impressive. Shout out to Bobby. Shout out to Bobby.
0: Now you've got the fitness in here as well, the fitness component. And you're just, you know, you're world-class on this you. side of things and just making things approachable for any fitness level, you know, like you provide a good on-ramp. So you've got the, the, the entire spectrum as well from literally from dance to using weights, mm-hmm. right? And everything in between. So I wanna talk to you a little bit about the necessity, just, okay, so I mentioned earlier about your flexibility Within the structure. Yeah. Right now, a lot of our structure has been kind of up in the air. Mm-hmm. And so, number one, what can folks look to do? Because I know a lot of people feel the same way of just even having these conversations. They've gotten a little bit off track because the gym was their sanctuary or it was just a certain part of their day. Yeah. You know, even for my wife, it was like, drop my son off in the morning, then go to the gym on the way back home, right? Yeah. It's just like, Now, everybody being here and just like, it's been a constant dynamic. She's had to shift from place to place to place in her day to try to find that sweet spot for And it's been, it's been challenging. Yeah. So can you talk about what we can do right now to kind of take back a little bit more control over our movement, which is so important?
1: Yeah, that's a big one. And yeah, with the gyms closing or even, you know, some states, depending on where you're at, they're open, but maybe you're not comfortable going back to them anymore. This is the beauty of at-home fitness. Like- And I, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have never thought. I was a gym rat. I worked, that's where I trained. I trained at the gyms. I loved being at the gyms. Even when I started with Beachbody, I still had my gym membership. I would still go do my workouts at the gym. My workouts that I wrote for people to do at home, I would go do them at the gym because I liked that environment. It's been in the last few years that I've really like embraced how much I love working out at home and how much time it saves me, right? I don't have to drive to the gym, I don't have to park, I don't have to deal with all the like, hey, let's make small talk in between your reps. And I'm like, no, I got stuff to do. (laughs) So I think just taking back control and embracing being at home, embracing doing your movement at home, you can do it in a really small space. And it's about setting a new routine. We get so stuck in our old routine and the fact that maybe that old routine is gone and maybe we're spending more time dwelling on being annoyed that the old routine is gone, instead of redirecting that energy towards, let me just set up a new routine. Yeah. For me, that's been a big one. Like I've had to just set a new routine up and I've just made it very known. Like I get up, I get dressed, I make my breakfast and feed the dog. I get my son breakfast. My assistant comes and usually as my son is starting school because like I like him to get started with school, then I go to my workout space and that is my time. It is the first thing I get done really before I do any work for the day. Hmm. That's my happy time, my me time. It puts me in the right mood for the day. It doesn't require a lot. It's 30 minutes. And having that plan, right? Like having something like Beachbody On Demand, having a program to follow that gives you a little bit of structure, I feel like that makes us feel empowered again. When you take even the tiniest little bit of control back, something so small. I tell Mm. people all the time, fitness is a metaphor for life. If you can do something hard here, you can do it in the rest of your day too. So like – Take that moment and start that routine and take back that little piece of control. And then before you know it, you're going to start taking back control of something else and something else. And then the day doesn't feel quite so
0: crazy anymore. That's so good. That's so good. Because, you know, being control freak, again, it can get this connotation that isn't what it is, which is, and I love it. I love it taking that stance, of course, because I think we need that conversation. Because for some folks, it's going to be the thing that helps them. You know, but it's taking back, even right now especially, and you doing what you're doing with this work right now, taking back a little bit of control. Yeah. Because we have, as a culture, outsourced so much of our control, not just of our days and our, how our, our lives are structured, but control of our thoughts. Yes, our minds. Control of the way that our perception of reality, and simply by being aware of that, we can start to take back control of what we're focusing on that starts to change what we're doing in our environment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And actually, in the book, you talk about uh, uncovering for many of us what's holding us back. Yeah, you know, because that's the thing. Even right now, for people who are struggling to try to just continue to move forward, it's it's a time where, of course, there's a lot of uncertainty. But I think more than ever, we feel like there's something that's holding <laughs> us back. But for each of us, it's going to be different. For some folks, they might feel a little bit, you know, it might be a different kind of uh, stimuli or situation, but even pre-pandemic times or even post-pandemic times, if there's a post,
1: please,
0: um, uh, I think for all of us to understand, really look at what's the thing that keeps, why do we keep hitting a wall, right? We get to a certain place and then we ended up, you know, we end up falling. Yeah. So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, the title of that chapter is the the answers are already inside you. And I think that's a big one for people to recognize is if you really stop, you, you know what's holding you back. It's whether or not you want to admit it. And usually we don't want to admit it because it means that we're going to have to do something big, something uncomfortable, something a little bit scary to change where we're at. And change is uncomfortable. We don't want to do it. So a lot of times we just bury the answer that we already know is the truth. Um, the example that I was using was when I moved to Texas for five weeks with my husband, he got a job transfer and I knew in every bit of my body I didn't want to make that move. but for him and because I was afraid to say I didn't want to do it. Once I was there, I was afraid to say I didn't want to be here. Not I didn't want to be with him, I just didn't want to be there. Shout out to Texas, by the way, no hard feelings against Texas. I just wanted to be back in L.A. Um, And I explained that story. But there was another story I actually wrote before that one that's not in the book. And the original story I wrote for the book and then took out was knowing that I needed to get divorced. And mind you, my ex-husband is one of my best friends. He's my assistant, you guys. So like, I don't say this in a bad way, but I knew after several years of he and I working to try to make the marriage work, that it wasn't, we weren't gonna work as a marriage, as a husband and wife, and I knew it. I knew it for a good year, Mm. but I didn't wanna say it. It meant my family was gonna be broken up. It meant my son wasn't gonna have his mom and dad living under the same roof. but all of that impacts us, right? Like when we can't say those things or when we don't say those things, like that mm. starts to impact your health, your mental health. It probably impacts what you do with your food, how you move your body. Because if there's something going on in your life that isn't making you happy or isn't fulfilling you or is holding you back, everything around you gets impacted. Mm. So it's scary. But So that's why when I say like – the answer's already inside you. You got to stop. You got to look. You got to you got to answer those hard questions. And when I say be a control freak, it's not white knuckling through life. It's taking back control of what you can, things like your fitness, your nutrition, your rest, your sleep, but it's letting go of the things that are out of our control. So, right, like watching the news right now and like like I, my dad again, I'll go back to him. All he does is watch the news all day and I'm like, dad, that's not changing. What? Stop letting it. up. He gets so mad. He gets so fired up, and he calls me so fired up about yeah. it. And I'm like, "It's breaking you, news. Though. You this can't is do breaking. any. You. This is completely out of your control. Why don't you just worry about the things that are in your control?" Well, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't. It's just yeah. an argument. I can't have." Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's a, uh, uh, I'm, millions, and millions, and millions of people right now are tuned into the same frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, and. It's so funny to me that, and I'm glad that you're here. We could talk about this. Shout out to your dad, you yeah. know, because it's just mirroring what's happening right now. Um, for a while, we started to transition to a place, I think, as a, as a culture, we were looking more like, ah, the news is just doing the same old stuff that they've always been doing. You know, they're hyping up situations, they're framing things to keep us in fear you know because you know if it bleeds it leads mm-hmm. you know and that's just the hallmark i know so many people in media now like i know the people i know the people doing you know the anchors i know yeah. these people and they it's just a part of the culture like you get something to hook people in we are so driven by emotion we think we're logical right we think we're making rational decisions but the more primitive parts of our brain the parts of us that have been around longer They're so primed to fear Mm into looking for problems. If anybody's wondering, like, why does the things feel why do we tend to focus on the negative and the negative voices or the pushback when we're trying to say something logical and people aren't listening? Why? Why do we tend to focus on the negative and not the the positive? So how we're kind of wired up to do that. Yeah. You know, so it's like taking back control of our minds because right now we're conditioning our society, who are even more so we abandon the thought of the news is just trying to hook us with fear and keep us inundated. Right. It doesn't even matter, like that's going out the window. Yeah. Matter of fact, the news has tripled, quadrupled down on that. Yes. And I I brought this up from the very beginning because I I didn't hear anybody talking about it, that they're putting up numbers, the death numbers, the death toll, as if these people are stats and, and freaking, you know, stock market ticker, you know, like these are people's lives and framing it just to, just with the primary... Purpose to show you how bad things are.
1: Which, you know what bugs me about that? And I remember hearing you talk about that, like when you first brought it up on one of your podcasts, and I was like, yes, that's so frustrating. But what's more frustrating is I've never once seen a ticker on how many people have survived. Yeah. How many people have recovered. And it, I'm like, why? Where's that number? Where's, it doesn't It doesn't lead. Right, because it doesn't, but I'm like, wouldn't that be nice if like, uh, a guy like my dad who's about to be 70, like who isn't in the best of health, could just have a little sense of hope of like, yes, I might oh. be okay. I'm not saying like, don't be careful or don't be yeah. cautious. Uh, but I'm just saying like, wouldn't it be nice if he had just like a little bit of hope that if he steps out his front door, he's not gonna die? Like that's where my dad yeah, is at. Absolutely. Like if I'm being totally honest, that's where my dad is at. Absolutely. He steps out his front door. Like my dad came to my house on Thanksgiving. It's like me and my son. Yeah. With his mask on. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, dad, my house is clean. Like, what do you take your mask off? Like, what how are you going to eat with us if you like?
0: You, you pull it down between bites. No, That's, and he finally that was, did. That was our mandate. I know, you know, and I was like,
1: that doesn't even make sense. What's down? Our, it's down. Our governor,
0: you know, the thing that came out, you know, of course, you know, the document with the recommendations, like literally, put your mask on between bites, you know. And it's just like, where are we at with our logic? But more yeah. so, you know, like you said, why can't we have stories of hope? And we just had on Bruce Lipton, renowned cell biologist. Pioneer in the field of epigenetics to share with us the biology of fear and what that does to our immune system. Oh. And it's so crazy how all of this fear that's continuously being pumped into our system, you know, and the and the, the catecholamines that are produced and the immune suppression, it makes us more susceptible. Why can't we have some framing of hope? And like you said, that folks that are okay, that number would just do a little bit. And by the way, if anybody wants to check it out right now, just Google. Uh, cases, confirmed cases, and you can look at, they'll have it right there as well, the number of folks who've had um, associated death with confirmed cases of COVID. Take that number, the death count, and divide that by the number of confirmed cases and see what you get. You know, just do that for yourself to see what this new term of survival rate but we, right now we've got about 63, as of, as of this recording, 63 or 64 million confirmed cases and around 1.5 million lives lost. And so when we're looking at 62 million people who are okay, mm-hmm. and not to say that there's not long-term uh, side effects for right. some folks, ti- but it's a tiny percentage. But what you see, they'll put that on the media. They don't tell you about the 50% of folks who have zero symptoms at all. And we're in a place today where you are considered sick until proven healthy. Yeah. you know, And it's a very, it, it's shifted. And it shifted just within a matter of weeks, a matter of months. We've never had this paradigm before where we are making the assumption that everyone is ill until proven otherwise. And just to, for us to think about, is this okay? What is the long-term ramifications of us viewing life like this? What is the long-term ramifications of our children having this association?
1: You know, even in talking about taking back like control, like there's just little things, like there's things that I try to not go do or avoid. I try to stay in a bubble, not because I'm afraid to go out, but I try to stay in whatever bubble makes me feel the most normal. Because I can tell you, like for me personally, like when I'm in those situations where I feel like I'm being presumed sick until proven otherwise like i had an annual checkup at the doctor the other day and like the steps i had to go through to get in the front door of the doctor's office was crazy i, I just try to take that control back like i try to limit those situations yeah. as best i can so that i just have some sense of normalcy i don't turn the news on that probably sounds terrible people are probably like oh my god you need to be informed and i'm like i get it i got it i know where we're at I understand what's happening. I know what the guidelines are. I'm good. Like, and I'm not saying that to be like selfish or I'm not saying that to be reckless. I'm just saying that for my own sanity, I have to protect it a little bit. Hmm. And for my son's sanity, because he's got really bad anxiety, I have to protect it a little bit. So we take back the control just a little.
0: You know, I think that this is a great... um, segue into something I wanna ask you about because I mean just as a culture, we've we seem like we were going in a direction. Like we were progressing as humanity, but then we went backwards. Like we just but you even talk about that. Is sometimes you have to go back to go forwards. Yep. You know? And so it's just like again, it's a shift in our perspective. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I look I had so many different experiences in my life that I feel like I was always coming up from behind the eight ball and I've always had to go back a little bit in order to move forward. I talk about in the book, um, when I was in college, my ballet master was horrible to me. Like I was just put down on the regular. I didn't have the same training as the other girls in college because of an injury I had when I was a kid with my hip and my lower back. And so it was just like I was the target of abuse. By the time I left college, I didn't graduate. By the time I left, I was so emotionally beaten down that I could not bring myself to go to a dance class for almost three years. When I finally did, when I finally moved to LA and I went to the Edge Performing Arts Center, I was here almost a year before I'd even attempted. I would look at the schedule online and I just couldn't go. Mm. When I finally went, mind you, I was a dance major. Like this is what I spent six hours a day doing at college. I went back to a level one jazz class, which if anybody dances, they understand, like that's just dumb for somebody that was majoring in dance like i don't belong in a level one but that was all i could handle i had to take a step back and taking that step back into that level one dance class it gave me a little confidence back slowly but surely the teacher eventually was like even asked me like what are you doing in this class and i thought he was saying it for my initial thought when he said it was oh i suck And he sees that I suck, like, and he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, you need to be in the advanced class. They're coming to the advanced class at night. This class is beneath you, basically. And I was like, okay, so that was my step forward to regaining my confidence. But I needed that. I needed to take that step back. And I think people need to know that it's okay sometimes. Like, all these people, like, we start diets or we start an exercise program and maybe we struggle with it or we feel like we didn't do the best. And so we give up. And instead of just going back a few steps, we just quit. And maybe it's like, you don't have to quit, you just have to dial it back a little bit. Start over. Try again. Build your confidence up one step at a time. But we're really hard on ourselves and we don't like to do that. We'd rather sort of make up all the excuses and, and oh, that, was, that program's dumb or that didn't work or that's not for me. And it's like, it's okay to say, hey, I feel defeated but I'm gonna try again, but maybe I gotta start a level below where I was before. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so good. That's so, it's it's so affirmative for right now, you know, because I think a lot of folks feel like they're going in one direction with their lives and yeah. suddenly, you know, all bets are off. And collectively, I think, again, I've said this from the beginning, I think we can learn a lot right now. You know, we can learn a lot about ourselves, we can learn a lot about our society as a whole, because I think, no, I know many, many of us were living under an illusion of how things are. Yeah. But in reality, there are these festering issues that have just been plaguing humanity for so long and just getting worse and worse. But we have accepted them as normal. So this has really come along and shaken things up. And I think we have to stand up and demand. And this is like going back to what you said. It's like not making excuses. We have to stand up and demand what world we want to create right now. Yeah.
1: I hope that what's happening right now ends up being a really big health revolution. Like, I hope that people start to realize that their health is in their hands. Like you said, we've outsourced so much. Like, we don't even stop to think that we have any control over our health. It's only what doctors say. And don't get me wrong, we love our doctors and we need our doctors. But like, it's only what our doctors say. And we're okay with everything that's in our food. We don't question it at all. We don't question why, you know craft has, has to make it one way for Europe, but they make it a different way for us. And you're like, because those ingredients are banned there. And if they're banned there, shouldn't they be banned here, you guys? Like, like so I'm hoping that it starts to wake people up to like, whoa, I've got to take better care of myself. And we start demanding more from our food. We start demanding the ability to being able to have time to exercise. We demand time to sleep, right? Like they're saying people are working more now than ever. Right, Like, because you're working from home and you're not turning off the electronics. Yeah. Like, I hope we start to demand, like, I'm done at five o'clock or I'm done at six o'clock. I'm going to have family time. I'm going to start making my food again, like all these things. So, you know, it could go either way. It could go either way. But I really hope it goes but towards the positive. But this is the time
0: right now. It's
1: crazy. I never could have imagined. Even if you have a crazy life. <laughs>
0: lose weight like crazy. Can you let everybody know what they're going to find inside of these pages and also where they can find the book?
1: Yeah, you guys, I mean, the biggest thing is you're going to see that I'm just normal like everybody else. I've had hard times in my life and I've just worked to overcome them. And I'm teaching the little steps that they're not really tricks. They're just steps to overcoming things. You're going to find a nutrition plan that's accessible to everybody, that's doable, that's it is not a diet. It's a nutrition plan. It's just a way of eating for life. You're going to find some really amazing recipes in there. You're going to find two great workouts that you can start to follow at home if you're looking for something to do. And if they're looking for more from me, they can find me on Instagram. It's at Autumn Calabrese. They can check out the website, autumncalibries.com. And nine-week control freak is coming. So perfect thing to start taking back control long before the new year hits. Like, let's do it now. Yeah, Let's not wait.
0: Ah, uh, uh, so good. And the book is going to be where?
1: The book is, you can get it on Amazon or at any of your local bookstores. Lose weight like crazy, even if you have a crazy life.
0: Awesome. Yes. Autumn, you're the best. This was fun. Thank
1: you so much fun.
0: Autumn Calabrese, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. So many great takeaways from this episode. And one of the big ones for me is redirecting our attention and our intention and to remember that the answers are already inside of us. Just like Autumn talked about today, we already know what the solutions are. We already know the things that we quote should be doing for us to get to the destination that we wanna be at in our lives, regardless of what's going on in the world, there's always an opportunity for us to grow, for us to have happiness, for us to have a success. You know, it's still available and the answers are inside of us already. And it's just shifting our attention and starting to ask higher quality questions asking better questions of ourselves. And for me, I wanna direct you guys again to think about this. What is this challenge trying to teach me, All right? What is this time in human history? What qualities are wanting to be developed in my life, right? Asking ourselves these questions, you know, it might come up that I really needed to practice more patience or I needed to practice and, and cultivate more strength and resolve in my life and, and, and being able to have courage amidst pushback. Maybe you're somebody who didn't like to not have people not agree with them, you know, and just knowing that this time in history, there's a lot of turbulence and it seems like folks can be picking a side, picking a side when in reality for us, I know a lot of folks listening right now, we're picking the side of humanity. We're not picking a side. We're on the side of humanity and maybe seeing resistance to that, you might kind of ball up and hide out in your shell. You know, and get your turtle on, right? More of a turtly disposition when we need to cultivate more courage right now. So, whatever quality there might be, just asking, you know, because even though it's a challenging time, it can be developing right now qualities that are going to help you to not just make it through this, but to create the life that you're truly here to live. All right. So, oftentimes the challenges that we're faced with are there to help us to be a better version of us. So again, the answers are already inside of us. We just need to redirect our intention and our attention within ourselves because there's so much external chaos happening. And I love that she brought up that point today. And also controlling what we can control, right? There's obviously a lot of things that we even thought were in control. We thought they were in control. They're not. There are only a few things in our lives that we truly have control over. The first being, again, our own mind and our own thoughts. We have the ability to think what we wanna think, to believe what we wanna believe, to have the perspective that we want to have. But unfortunately, we outsource that. We give our power away. We provide that ability to think for ourselves to somebody else, and oftentimes we don't even realize we're doing it. And we're doing that when we allow you know, entities that are geared towards, as we talked about today, they're they're designed for the sole purpose of keeping you addicted to fear. They're designed for the sole purpose of keeping you addicted to things that make you controllable and easily manipulated, right? In between all the messages that we need to have all these things to make us complete, right? They're messages for their you know, various, you know, get, get this this car is going to complete you. You just need the Buick. Shaq got the Buick. Shaq doesn't drive a freaking Buick, but Shaq's got the Buick, right? We just need that drug. I just need that drug. I don't, the, all of the side effects they're listing for two minutes on the commercial, that doesn't matter. The drug is going to help me so that I can sail a boat because the guy on the, on the commercial sailing a boat, I always want to sail a boat and be happy, all right? all immersed. It's all happening, right? This is the name of the game. But when we realize these things and start to take back control of our attention and focusing it on the things that are going to keep us empowered and uplifted, we can be informed, but we don't have to be inundated. And we get to choose the inputs because it's not just the food that you eat. It's not just you are what you eat. It's not just you are what you drink. It's not just you are what you breathe. It's you are what you think. It's you are what you think. And we get to control because these inputs we're taking in from the world around us is feeding us. It's feeding our minds. And and it's literally, it's called programming. Television programming. It's never been more true. So you're going to get programmed. Nature is going to program you. Life is gonna program you. What do you want those programs to be? All right. So just a really great conversation to have and things to think about. But most importantly, what are we gonna do about it? and it's all about action. So make sure to check out Autumn and her incredible work. Follow her on Instagram. It's one of my favorite people. And again, shout out to to homegrown St. Louis. Shout out to the Midwest. Shout out to everybody in Cleveland as well. And shout out to everyone around the world who's tuning in right now, who's choosing to tune into things that are going to keep you empowered, to remind you of how powerful you are to affect change in your life and the world at large. I appreciate you so much. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. My brand new book, Eat Smarter, is on the way. Eat Smarter is the first book to take you behind the scenes and show you how your metabolism really works demonstrating specific foods and nutrients that control your metabolism and influence things like fat loss and weight gain. But you'll also discover how certain foods and nutrients control your cognitive function and influence things like your attention span and your working memory. Plus, you'll also learn the latest information on how food controls your sleep and the surprising science around how food controls our emotional stability and how we interact with each other. It's a very special book and part of an initiative to change our health and wellness systems. And right now, when you pre-order Eat Smarter, you also get instant access to a brand new mini course, the 10 foods proven to optimize your fat loss hormones for free. It's a $97 mini course you get instant access to when you pre-order Eat Smarter. So go to eatsmarterbook.com right now and pre-order the book and get your free mini course. Eat smarter, use the power of food to reboot your metabolism, upgrade your brain, and transform your life. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.